Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job, Painter Marketing Pros, and APC. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. So glad you could be on the show, listening to the show today. Uh, I got a good show, good episode to you, to bring to you today. Um, you know, part of my strategy for uh, show guests is to have a combination of people who um, have have been in the field, have the experience, and a combination of people who who really know the research and the data, and and uh, have kind of the 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 research backing. Why do I do this? Well, one of the things that I've learned is that uh, book knowledge isn't everything, and experience isn't everything. And sometimes I see people in our industry leaning too much on people who just have experience. But what I also recognize is that sometimes I lean too heavily on the book knowledge. You have to have a good balance of both. Why? Well, there are pros and cons of each where where each are coming from, right? Um, One reality is that, okay, you could have all the book knowledge in the world. You could see how a thousand companies did it and you can see how uh, how a thousand companies did it and 70% had success this way. But what happens when you end up in the 30%? You know, this is where experience starts to kick in, where you have to, you know, go through it. You have to live it. You have to breathe it. You have to feel it. You know, you have to have gone through it because there's a certain level of empathy and in, in being there and understanding, going through it, that, that counts, that matters. On the other hand, I don't rely, I don't always rely on experience alone because from my, from what I've, you know, from what I've read and from what I've seen and, and witnessed with people is that the experience can become a little bit anecdotal. 10 years ago, you turned left and you could have turned right. You, you basically flipped a coin and it worked out for you. Well, in another universe, you flipped the coin, you chose the other direction and it didn't work out. So sometimes with experience, there's an element of you've caught lightning in a bottle and you're holding on to that lightning bolt as long as you can. And you are uh, presenting what you've done as biblical truth when in reality it's just something that worked out for you right so that's why we have to have the balance that's why we have to have the balance of okay what does the study say what does the research say and we have to have the balance of what does experience say today we're going to talk to somebody who's got a good good amount of experience in the trades and i do believe it's valid i believe that you know i believe that experience is valid and what I what I aim to do, like I said on this show, is to give you that balance of what does the research say, what does the data say, what does experience say, 
when we bring those things together, that's where you become a wise business owner, right? Because because a wise business owner doesn't just go from the gut, doesn't just shoot from the hip while he's out there. The wise business owner takes their experience, they take the de- the data and the and the information, the knowledge that's been accumulated across thousands of, of of companies they put it together and they make good decisions that's the best way to do it okay so today we're going to focus on a little bit of experience we've got uh, mr chris waskowski from uh ski home improvements down in greenville north carolina it's an interior home remodeling company they do a lot of painting and he also has a uh, coaching practice called service industry empire before we get into the show, just wanted to quickly mention that if you are listening to this, um, you could be watching it. You could be watching it. PC Overdrive, that is our kind of, that's kind of like our Netflix app. It's got all of the paint industry video content that you could, that you could imagine out there. Um, it's got uh, shows from, you know, people that are on the network. Um, it's got you know, episodes of featuring different paint contractors out in the field there to educate you on growing your business, building your business. And Hey, maybe, maybe massive growth isn't your goal. Maybe you just want to strengthen and solidify the, the business that you have. Go to PC overdrive, download the app, 500 hours of video content, 599 a month for uh non-members free with your pc membership become a member okay become a member uh what else can i share with you you know we don't forget about our recruiting platform jobs.pcapainted.org uh, it's powered by by viva hr my friend uh not ryan naylor we've become friends over the years uh great app for recruiting and finding um uh finding talent um, what's cool about the PCA jobs board, you go to jobs.pcapainted.org, uh, you can put up a job ad, see it posted in different places, and uh, that'll help you recruit. Very cool, very cool, very cool. Okay, so back to our show content today. Um, something that can be kind of tricky in, in business, and it's always it's always a teeter-totter, right? Like in, in our in our industry, there's there's really just two components to it. For If we really strip it down, there's getting the work and doing the work. And a lot of paint contractors, a lot of practitioners, a lot of craftspeople, they come in knowing how to do the work. You've got that nailed down. Maybe you were working on a crew, a new construction crew or an, you know, for another company. Maybe you were the crew leader. So you, you got that down, you got the painting down and you decided because, you know, your boss was sipping lemonade, uh, all day and, and just breaking in the dough while you do all the work that maybe it's time for you to, to start out on your own, to be your own boss, to get your own work. And then you realize, oh, you don't have the time to as much time to sip lemonade as you thought you might. What you realize is that there's this whole other side of the business that you never had to worry about 
And now because you're so engulfed in the work and getting it done and making sure that the customers that you do have are happy, that you don't have time to get the work. And, and sometimes you don't have the money to pay for an agency. And sometimes you don't have the cash to pay for ads. What can you do? What can you, what strategies are we gonna put in place to continue to grow leads? Because it's a teeter-totter. The get the work and do the work, it can really be a teeter-totter where you got so much work, you don't know what to do with. Now you're, now you're, you're running out. Your runway is getting shorter and shorter and shorter as the summer kind of comes to a close. And you're looking at, at the runway and you're thinking, oh, I got to figure out how to get some more leads. So, so this is what we're going to talk about today. It's always a good conversation to have any time of the year, in particular, as we're closing out the summer. So let's go ahead and get on with it. Let's bring uh, Chris onto the show and talk a little bit about getting leads. Here we go. Hey, Chris, welcome to Paint Ed. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Torlando. Nice to be here talking to you and the audience to help bring some value to them. Awesome. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about your background in the industry. I know that you've done a lot of painting. You've done some remodeling. Generally speaking, you're in the home services field. And so uh, you've got years of experience. Um, I'm sure many ups and downs. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Okay, yeah. Uh, like I said, I've been in the painting industry for over 25 years now. My father, my grandfather, and a lot of my family members were painters. So I learned how to paint when I was 12 and 13. So I worked around them. Uh, they mainly did apartments. And then from there, I worked for a few other painting contractors and really build a skill in learning how to paint. And then in 2009, I started my own painting company and took me longer than I wanted to realize that I knew a lot about painting, but I didn't know a lot about running a painting business. Um, right. So, I mean, so 2009, you know, that's, uh, that's on the heels of the, of the great recession. Um, I was there, uh, I, I started my first company in 08 and, uh, you know, I didn't know any better, you know, I, I mean, there's, uh, there was a lot of con reason to be concerned, but I just didn't know, you know, I was a young guy. And so I was like, heck, I'll, I'll go do it. Sounds like you have similar roots in that. Uh, you know, you came up in the paint industry, um, learned the trade, uh, came to the point of, okay, I want to start my, my own business. What was that first point where you had that, oh crap, I got to learn how to run a business? What was that like for you? Um, yeah, after a few years of running my business and not really knowing how much money I had, I was bringing in. I just knew my bank account was not where it needed to be to support my family and where it needed to be to continue to grow. 
and reach any of the goals I had. Yeah, I mean, I, that that's that's what it was for me, too. You know, I, I mean, definitely looking at the bank account, realizing I got miles of feed. Uh, that was really the moment for me, especially when my first kid was born. I got three now. But when that first one was born, I feel like, you know, as a as a new father, I was like, oh, this is this is on me. Like, this is real now. I got to I actually have to take care of these people. And that that li- that lit a fire under me like like nothing else. Now, the I think I probably took it too far. You know, I think that that I probably could have stopped to smell the roses a little bit. I, I, I probably should have, uh, you know, maybe not stayed up so late working on the business and, and maybe changed more diapers. But um, but there I think for a lot of uh new fathers, um, especially culturally where we're at, that uh, I think that having a family can really kind of ignite that career fire for you. Is that is that kind of how you were feeling in that in that moment in those days? Yes, because I'd already had my first daughter before I started my business. And then uh, right around a year after I started my business. My second daughter was born. So that definitely puts a crunch on you trying to balance being a good father and being a good provider. And it is hard to, especially when you don't know how to run the business and only work in it, you don't really take that time to balance it out as well as you should. Like you said, you focus so much on trying to build it that you can't, that takes away from the stuff you should be doing with your family that's important to you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's something there's, you really don't have to you don't have to do. Yeah, there's uh there's this concept called four burner theory where you've got, you know, if you imagine a a, a gas stove, um you got four burners that you can, you know, turn on at, at any given time. You got your your work, you got your family, you got your friends, and then you got then you got yourself. And you know what I what I've what they say about the four burner theory is that for a lot of uh, professionals, and and I'll say in in particular men, I think men do this more than than women tend to. They'll turn the high heat on the career, and that leaves no gas for the other three burners. And so you're you're not really taking care of your family as much as you should. Sure, sure, you've got maybe you've got some economic stability happening, but you know, in terms of uh, ball games, ballet recitals, piano recitals, uh, you know, all that stuff, you're you're missing it because you're just so busy. You're even missing just little opportunities to watch, you know, a, a movie with your family because you're so busy trying to get everything done. Um, now, what some people will do is they'll eventually get to the point, especially as they you know, work on their business enough to uh, create a little bit of separation, is they'll, they'll start to make time. And when you're a business owner, you have that flexibility to you know, say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the ballgame today, you know, or I'm, I'm going to, you know, I got to leave early to you know, do this or that. Some people get there, but what, but what I think they forget about 
is they they forget to to form and and maintain those friendships they you know they, or they wait too long you know f- they they get to the point of their career where they've delegated everything and now they don't have you know responsibilities um and and so they're they calling up their friends and they're like and the friends are like I, who are you bro i haven't even you know it's been 20 years and you know now you want to you know now you want to hang out okay you know and and then they oh and then the worst thing of all is is just not tending to yourself you know your health gets out of control you're uh you you don't know who you are outside of your work um your your interests are 20 years old and you realize gee i don't like comic books anymore i'm not talking about myself at all chris uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is this is a fact right and so you know i think that what's really important in a, in a business, you know, when you, when you begin a business is to consider, you know, how am I going to build this thing in a way that isn't going to completely consume my entire identity, uh, all of my time, uh, everything that I've got going to the business. And here I am kind of justifying it saying, well, at least I'm taking care of my family. Um, you, your your family doesn't only need your money. In fact, when you die, they're probably not going to give a eulogy that says, well, you know, he certainly had a lot of money. <laughs> That's not what's going to happen, right? So, but the reality is that if you're in business, you have to, we have to build a business. And leads is our oxygen. If we don't, if we don't have leads we can't get anywhere um so how do we do this you know what's what are some what are some of the tried and true things that you've done over the years that have led to the most successful results in getting and acquiring leads for your business right um well going back to your burner statement it's kind of like you know you got to cook something but if you don't have the recipe or you don't know what it is, like you said, you don't know how high you're putting stuff and all that does take energy and you can be focusing on one thing and spending a lot of energy on something and it not really be what you need to spend it on. Um, but as far as the leads, one of the big mistakes I made when I was first starting my business was not keeping track of the clients I was doing work for and being able to keep in contact with them on a consistent basis. So they remembered me and then I could stay top of mind. So if they needed something else, they could uh, feel free to reach out, but I didn't do that. And that cost me a lot when I was first starting out because then I would, talk to them later on. They're like, oh, well, I didn't know you did this and I didn't know you did that. So it was hard for me to, after that, hearing that several times, I realized that keeping up with their clients and the people that's already paid you money is very important. And it doesn't cost you a whole lot to do. It just takes the effort and the, letting them know that you're still around, you're still in business, what services you offer. And once I started doing that, 
it really made a big impact. Yeah, you know, I I completely agree with that. And um, you know, even keeping track of those customers in a in a way that is organized, it could be if if you don't have a system that you're using, it could be pretty tricky. Now, I mean, there are some some ways to to do that. I mean, you know, you can you can if you've got a work email through through uh, Gmail, you can you know you can keep track of your customer database with your Google contacts. I mean, that's at, at, at a base level, at least save their information, get it digitally. Oh, I'm going to sneeze. Excuse me. Uh, they're going to, you know, at least get it digital so that you can, um, so that, so that you can easily access it. Um, having it on paperwork orders alone, having it in different files, that gets really cumbersome. Um, you know, I, I remember the old days doing that. And yeah, I mean, I just had all of my customers in a, in file folders on my, uh, computer and, you know, it was, it, it was a, a, a Russian roulette in terms of if I even had their number saved in my phone, you know, and, and that was just no way to stay organized. And then, uh, and then I was like, okay, I got to find, you know, some type of a, a CRM. Um, one of the, early ones that I ended up using was estimate rocket and I still use estimate rocket, um, still promote them. Um, but, uh, that was, that was kind of that game changer because now you have the ability to quickly access your clients and contact them, whether it's a phone call, an email, a text message, uh, just something to say, Hey, I'm still in business. I'm still alive. And what I can tell you is that, um, you know, my, my audience knows that, uh, you know, I, I'm on my second business now. I, I uh, ran my first business for 12 years, took a break, went into software uh, for a while, for a couple of years, came back, started a new business. When I came back, I dusted off that old customer list. That was one of the first things that I did. And I started emailing them. And I mean, there were a lot of people who came, uh, who emailed back and said, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you're back in painting. I haven't been able to find anybody who I trust to be in my home. And so that, that, that customer list is no joke. You really got to uh, tend to it and nurture it over the years. What are, what are some of the things that you, you know, do when you're reaching out to them? What do you say? Like, uh, you know, how do you keep it natural? Um, depending on how you have it set up, uh, if you do any kind of warranty work or anything, you could just kind of be reaching out say, Hey, it's been a year. Is everything still okay? Um, reaching out for the holidays, anything that's coming up. Uh, if just if you happen to have a, any kind of promotion or trying to, reactivate them in some way. Um, just even sending a Christmas card or thank you cards or anything, just to be able to send them and keep in front of them. Um, there's asking for referrals. Uh, that's very important too, because um, that doesn't cost you anything. And just being at the top of their mind once 
they're ready to have something done, that way they'll be ready to contact you. Um, I know you mentioned Google. There's other different. I used constant contact with my stuff. So I could just send out blast emails for whatever promotion or holiday or anything coming up, any special. That way they could uh, just reply to that and set something up. Yeah. But I know it's, uh, like I said, I've lost, I know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just in the beginning because I didn't keep in contact with them. Um, Because I know when you're first starting out, especially, you're trying to get the money, finish the project, and then move on to the next one. Don't really take into account how much the value is of somebody that's already given you money and trust you and you've worked for them and they like your work. So why wouldn't you take the time to keep reaching out to them and focus some of your energy on that? Yeah, you know, the a, a few episodes ago, I had a um, I had one of our industry partners on um, with Angie Leeds. And, you know, I think Angie Leeds, uh, you know, you get you get mixed receptions with with Angie Leeds. Some people, uh, you know, that's how they get their leads. Um, some people, you know, they're just like, oh, I hate it, you know, love or hate it. Uh, she had some really great advice. Um, she basically said that, look, if you if you purchase a lead through Angie Leads, um, just because you're in competition with other painters on that lead doesn't mean that if they if the job goes to somebody else or you don't you know, you don't get uh, they don't, you know, reach out to you, reach back out to you for an estimate. That doesn't mean that all is lost or that you've wasted money because that is still a lead that is still your lead that you acquired and so you know sure maybe you paid 50 or 80 bucks for it well how the question then becomes how do i get my return on that investment for the lifetime value of that customer because that customer is going to live in that house for a while in each every area in the country there's data that will tell you on average how long people stay in their home and they do the most work when they're when they buy the house and when they're getting ready to sell it that's when they do the most work on their home and so what you have to realize is that once you've acquired that lead that is yours whether you get the job or you don't that is your lead and if you're going to maximize the value of your ad spend or your acquisition costs then you should not act like that lead doesn't have any value just because you didn't get the first job. I mean, what are the odds? I mean, you know the competition in your area. What are the odds that they had a bad experience with the person, with the cheaper guy that they end up choosing? Pretty high. Okay, so the odds of you getting a, a job for that person down the road, it goes up. And so every what you have to realize is that every name in your contact list has a dollar value over the course of the next 10 years. And if you are consistent in reaching out, connecting, reminding, offering, providing value, that your list is your list, the value of your list increases as you as you do more activity with it. If you don't do anything with it, your list, your list isn't worth anything. 
Right. You said it. Um, maximizing every lead is important, whether you pay for it or not. Um, because, like you said, if you only, what is it, 80% of people that reach out to you are probably going to get something done right this second. Um, they're also going to want work in the future, or like you said, they may have a bad experience with somebody else. But if you're not being consistent with staying on top of them, educating them and bringing them value, then you're not going to be able to maximize that lead. Yeah, absolutely. So, then you're gonna, so I, I'm sorry. Then you're going to say it's a bad lead. Right. Right. Might not be. Might not be. So, so I'm down with this. I'm down with the, the, uh, you know, reaching out to your past customers and engaging them I'm down with that in terms of acquiring new ones, um, especially when it comes to avenues that require less money. Um, what's another way that you recommend acquiring, uh, you know, leads and generating new leads? Uh, one way that you can generate new leads without spending hardly any money is just networking with other people, whether it's in the industry or related to people that have the same kind of clientele that you would have. Um, if you're a painter, talking to the flooring people, different carpenters, people at Sherwin-Williams or Ben Moore, whatever store, um, talking to real estate agents, general contractors, just getting out there and getting your name to as many people as you can, just so they know that you're around and you can help them solve their problems. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it sounded like to me that those, those uh, providers that you were talking about, they, they seem to be the kind of people who their current customer is there the next it's almost like the next step in the process is painting you know like those those flooring folks I mean, how often do you go into a, a house and the customer's asking okay do we get new floors first or do we do the painting what needs to happen first you know which one and so it's like they're if they've contact if they've happened to contact the flooring people first and the flooring people go in there and I'm sure the customer is asking the same question. Do we do the floors first and do the, or do we, do we do the, uh, the painting first? And, you know, each of us is saying the opposite. It's like the, the floor people are like, uh, let us come in first. And we're like, you know, or they're like, no, do the painting first. And then we'll come in. Cause we, they don't want the painters to mess up the floors. And then we're like, no, like, <laughs> We don't want the paint the flooring people to mess up our pay jobs. So let us come <laughs> come in after. Um, but uh, you know, so, so but the the reality is is that customers purchasing both, and so if uh, if they're purchasing both at the same time, then that's a really good good uh, a referral partner. Who are who are some other good referral partners? Um, well, dealing with working on homes, I mean, you got electricians, HVAC people, um, let's see, uh, the electricians, the flooring, um, somebody that 
does blinds, um, really any kind of home service, even cleaning companies. Um, anyone that you're going to have the same basic customer, then it's going to be good to be friends with them or at least contacts with them because you can give them information and referrals and then they can give you the same in return. And it helps you bring value to everyone because you can say, hey, this is a really good person to help if you need this done also. Because somebody that's, like you said, a lot of times when they're going to be moving into a house or just bought a house, they're going to need several things done. So if you can be in the mix with whatever it is, even if they start looking at flooring first, then the flooring guy can recommend you to come in before or after and paint or even the, the home cleaner or plumber or anything like that, or even just leaving cards and stuff at paint supply places, whether it be Sherwin-Williams or Ben Moore or anywhere that you can, because um, then you're going to just reach a much broader audience and really not have any actual spend into it unless you leave any kind of business card. It's not the, the cost of that is pretty minimal. Yeah. It just takes, it just takes the time. And, 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 you know, I, I've joined, uh, I've joined different networking groups, you know, over the, over the years and, um, you know, Part of the hard part about getting you know referral partners into your networking group is they don't want to they they they're like i'm covered up i don't have the time you really have to make time for that and and i think that the what a lot of people what i see a lot of people doing in in business is they try to replace their money for their time right so they, they try to buy back their time which you know that's uh a valid thing to do at a, at a certain point. I'm not going to say don't try to buy back your time. But what I'll also say is that I think a lot of people <clears throat> overvalue their time. And we had, uh, uh, we had a, a guy on uh, uh, the show not, not too long ago um, who was talking about the idea of having, you know, different activities being valued at different things, you know, and sometimes Sometimes we value the thing that's right in front of us, like, you know, actually painting, actually painting the walls, you know, that that can only generate you so much money for for the time that you put into it. Whereas, you know, if you go out and make a sale that can, you know, for the amount of time putting that you're putting into it, it generates more value. But the amount of time that it takes to, uh, you know, recruit somebody well, when once you recruit someone and they are generating money, well, the, the the value of your time spent recruiting is, you know, greater than being a salesperson. And so I think what what we often do is we we don't quite understand that. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't be the one that is uh, delivering the, um, you know, scaffolding to the job site because that's that's a very low return on, on our investment of time. But then at the same time, I think people are like, well, I should just pay somebody to do X, Y, and Z 
and then and then they just you know fart around on Facebook and the Facebook groups and and they think that they're working when they're you know commenting on somebody's uh, you know post in the in the uh, Facebook group you know and and I you know hey be a part of our Facebook group you know engage <laughs> engage in the beta group but don't confuse the you know the time that you're spending there for something else because it's like you could say yeah uh my my time is more valuable it's too valuable to to network and so i'd rather you know pay thousands of dollars to google ads so that i don't have to spend the time networking meanwhile you know you're you're spending half your time just watching tiktok videos and so what what is the value of your time right it'd be better to to do a healthy mix of ad spend and time-based marketing um, and making the time to just get out there and network and be part of your community. And, and, you know, there's value, there is inherent value in that aside from a monetary, uh, monetary return when you're a part of your community and you do things that uplift and benefit your community, you know, that, that provides a, a an emotional return that, it, that you can't get by, uh, you know, just putting more money on a, on a Google ad. So, okay. So networking again, I'm down with, I love it. Okay. Third thing, what do we need to do to generate leads? Um, the third thing, which would be fairly inexpensive or no cost also is just being present and build your expertise on social media. Um, just with making a few posts a day, on a consistent basis can really broaden your reach and show your expertise and help um, bring awareness to what you're doing. Um, posting what you're doing, like behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you can have frequently asked questions that you can answer, videos of your projects going on, um, video testimonials, um, there's a lot that you can do. Um, and like you said, you may not feel like it's worth putting the time into, but you can just for a little bit of time, reach your community through social media. And if somebody's going to want your services, they're going to want to paint their bedroom. They're seeing you and you're building your brand as an expert in your field on social media they're going to, you're going to be one of the first people that they turn to, to try to get their problem solved. Yeah. You know, I think that the way that I view social media more, more and more these days is, is as a, a, a tool of, of, of social proof, you know, more than anything, um, that ability to showcase, um, your work, not just in the before and after, um, you know, before is, do nothing for me. But what I like seeing is the progress. I love seeing the work being done. I love seeing the end results. And that, you know, I think that that is kind of the proof is in the pudding, right? Because if you think about how the consumer, what you're asking the consumer to do in, in, uh, in the trades is you're asking them to purchase something that they haven't seen, right? You're asking them like, okay, we're going to paint your house but we don't, you know, what, do, what evidence do we have that it's, you know, a job well done? You know, if, when you compare it to goods, 
you know, goods compared to services with a good, you look at it, you see the display on the shelf, you, uh, you know that it's gone through a manufacturing process where uh, quality assurance has already gone through. Um, you know that it's, that it's been packaged and that it's, you know, that it's functional. And it's, it's more rare that you have a defect. You know, of course, every now and then you're going to buy something that, uh, you know, didn't pass the, the inspections and, and you got to return it for it not working. But for the most part, you know what you're getting. You know exactly what you're getting. Your, you know, your uh, uh, neighbor down the road has one and, and you're like, yeah, I want that. And so you get it and it's nearly the, it's pretty much the same exact one. With services, it's that's not the case. You're producing something right in front of them. All of the, you know, all of the the skins and tags and, and defects and things like that are being sorted out right under their nose. It's it's a harder thing to sell. And so what I love about social media in particular, incorporating video into the process is that that showcases what they are getting. It shows who is going to be in their house. It shows how you go about protecting their floors and getting straight lines and, you know, doing the work. It, it, it showcases the craftsmanship itself, which in, in turn breeds a, a tremendous amount of confidence because the customer can just then say, okay, I've, I've at least seen them working online. I know who's going to be in my house. I see that they're clean people. I see that they're, they're taken care of their uh you know customers houses i have every reason to believe that they're going to do that here in my house and so that you know gives them a tremendous amount of uh comfort and confidence in the decision whereas if your competition just is quite frankly isn't doing that and they can't see that um then there's you know there's just no there's no confidence and there's no comparison um it makes it makes the sales job a lot easier when <clears throat> people can do kind of their own investigative work and, you know, uh, stalk you online and see, you know, if, uh, <laughs> see if your people are, are, uh, you know, going to be safe around their kids or not. Right. And like you were saying, um, not only is it about the before and after and whether you use tape or not, or, but it's about, they can see that somebody had a similar problem to them you solved it and also about what kind of experience they can expect, especially if you're doing consistent posting and videos, answering all kinds of questions, then there's a difference between going to go talk to a client and say, yeah, we're good at communicating. Yes, we're good at the quality of work and yes, we'll do this and that. But when you can show video and, proof on social media that they can see they can know what kind of experience they have and that's going to build value more so than just telling them that what you can do they'll see it as the social proof absolutely so so if we if we have a you know that that word consistency is jumping out at me and, it, and it, to me that word i think can can really strengthen any of the things that you've talked about today, reaching out to your past customers, networking, social media, consistency, consistency, consistency is the key to all of that. If you are not consistently doing those things, 
what will happen in your business? How, how will that limit your growth? If you're not consistently putting fuel on the fire, eventually it's going to go out. Um, you have to keep putting the fuel up there and constantly doing the little things that build energy and momentum. Um, if you don't keep up with your past clients, if you're not out there networking, you're not out there making social proof, then you're going to start to wonder why my bank account isn't growing and is going down. And why are these leads not any good? Why is nobody wanting it to deal with any good painters or you think everybody's a tire kicker, but you're not doing what you need to, to build your value and be consistent and continuously do it. Um, you're going to get less, you're not going to have as many leads, then you're not going to be able to maximize the leads that you have because you're not nurturing them consistently. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just as you've kind of employed these things in your business, you know, what, what, a, what results can we see as we do these things on a consistent basis? Um, like you had mentioned earlier, a lot of times people feel like they don't want to put the energy into doing that or their time is better spent doing something else. But once you have that compounding interest with these things that you're doing, the small things, then it actually becomes easier and you can put systems and processes in place that it just, and it almost happens naturally where you're doing it so regularly that you would feel weird if you didn't do it. But just by doing social media and keeping up with my past clients and getting out there and talking to everyone I can, along with some other things, I was able to 5X my business just within a couple of years because I actually took track of what I was doing and keeping up with everyone. And they all kind of work together as well. Because if you're consist, excuse me, consistently talking with your past clients and you're keeping up with the networking and the social media, that all kinds of blends together. So you can show your past customers all the stuff that you're doing and you're networking and that's growing. It's just the potential is limitless when you can just start to put all that together and maximize it in a consistent way. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I, I agree with you on these fronts. I think that if, uh, if, if anybody were uh, at a loss of what to do today, um, I think these, these three things are, are, would certainly be my go-tos, past customers, networking, social media. So I thank you for bringing this up and uh, having a discussion about it. Glad to see that, that it's working in the field where, uh, you know, where you're at. Um, if people want to learn a little bit more about you, Chris, where do we, where do we send them? Uh, just check out my website, serviceindustryempire.com, and we can evaluate what you're doing and let you know what you can do to maximize what you're doing so you can reach the goals that you want to reach. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, and thank you for being on Paint Ed. Thank you, and thank you for having me. All right, there we have it. Chris 
Wysokowski uh, with Ski Home Improvements and Service Industry Empire. Thank you to for him to be on, on the show. Uh, you know, I maybe I've brought up this metaphor before. Uh, I used to coach football. And when I coached football, I taught my athletes the same thing that I was that I was taught when I was a player, which is you got to go back to the basics, back to the basics, back to the basics, back to the basics. Every day we practice stance and start. Now, if you if you're a football person, you know what that means. Uh, if you if you're not a football person, um, you know. Think about any any kind of thing that you've done, any sport you've been in, any uh, instrument, musical instrument that you've learned. Um, you know, it's like practicing scales every single day. It's doing the basics every single day. And these three things, I think no matter how sophisticated your paid advertising strategy is, I think it would be such a loss not to do these things on a consistent basis, not to reach out to those past customers, not to network, not to post on social media. You know, those, they, they, they require so little time and effort. You do have the time. Okay. Go, go look at your, go look at your screen time app on your phone. See how much time you're wasting in other places. All right. You're going to be embarrassed by how much time you waste farting around on video games and and social media you might as well be putting this stuff to work okay set up some one-to-ones reach out to those past customers great conversation if you want to uh know more about what i'm doing i'd love to tell you um now of course i got the book sprint on amazon and uh and you can subscribe to my crafts and painter channel on youtube where i've got uh, educational content on the Sprint operating system. Um, I am also uh, speaking. Um, I've got some some uh, gigs coming up. Um, there is the Spanish speaking expo. I don't know if that's what we're calling it. It's a it's some type of a uh, uh, it's it's an event. <laughs> It's a Spanish event. So if you've got if you if you speak Spanish or you have Spanish teammates, I highly recommend uh, coming out to Orlando, Florida here in um, September. I'll be speaking. A couple other industry experts in the um, in our trade are going to be speaking as well. Those who hablan español. I did that in a very American accent uh, on purpose as a joke. Okay. I know Spanish. Anyway, good show. Good episode, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. Appreciate you. This has been Paint Ed. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org. 